that is a problem, right? What? You I think I just cracked my toes oh. on the ground. Um, that also, is a, this chair's. It makes, could have been the chair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right welcome back to the surely you're joking mr fine and podcast the premier science comedy podcast back from a little holiday break getting back on the wagon editing these episodes i've had recorded and getting them out there the interview coming up was actually recorded back in november it's our second quote unquote science episode it's the crypto episode now i'll be honest i don't fully understand the world of crypto at all most of it's very foreign to me uh but one of my oldest and best friends mike dargy is very deep in the crypto world and has been for a really long time and he's the guest this week the crypto discourse, especially online, is pretty polarizing, I know, and I, I get it to an extent. It's super easy to mock things when there seems to be an endless parade of bandwagoning, buzzword-using, bros, babbling. How about that alliteration? Babbling online, trying to explain something to you that they just learned about themselves the other day. But I really enjoy talking to Mike about this stuff. He has a degree in and works in cybersecurity, and like I said, is super deep in this world, as you'll be able to tell listening to him, to him talk at length about it. Uh, this is a guy who bought Bitcoin in 2013, so to say the least, he's no bandwagoner. Um, it's not hard to go online and see some C-list has-beens peddling NFTs of themselves and think, yeah, this is probably a scam. But, I don't know, maybe the Winklevi are visionaries for all I know, or at least cosplaying as visionaries. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes of all this in the coming years. Uh, for all I know, this whole thing could go up in smoke, but maybe it is the future. What I do know is that Mike knows the stuff inside and out, and I had a lot of fun talking to him about it. Uh, I thought about breaking this down into two parts, but at the end, I figured I'd keep the episode whole and put it out for people to listen to at their own pace. So it's a little on the longer end, but without further ado, here is my conversation with crypto savant, if you will, Michael Dargy. Welcome to the Surely You're Joking Mr. Fine and Podcast, Mr. Dargy. Am I allowed to? I can redact your last name. Yeah. You is that cool? You can you can call me Mr. Darji. Mr. Darji, can yeah. I say your first name it's too? It's very official. I like that. All right, Mr. Darji. Now, Mr. Darji's your dad. <laughs> well, thanks for the thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So this is our number two science guest. Oh, I'm okay. counting you as science. Right. It's, science I mean, it's technology. science. It's yeah. I mean, you know, the other science guest was a, a Harvard PhD in oh, physics, well, but that's, uh, <laughs> not quite the same. I wouldn't expect nah, much it from falls this under the umbrella. So, uh, so for this, this is the, uh, this is the crypto episode. This is what gets clicks these days. <laughs> I don't know anything about crypto. I don't really get it, but it's I know. It's very buzzwordy, right? Oh yeah. This is what gets the clicks. And you, I'm going to hype you up for a second. I think in this day and age, all one has to do is go online and you'll see that there are venture capitalists left and right who know all the buzzwords, who want to explain the blockchain or all that stuff to you when in reality it's clear they're I don't want to say snake oil salesman because that would imply that there's you know nothing to the what you're selling I, I don't I don't know enough to make that judgment but um they clearly don't know what they're talking about but you you were we've been friends for a very long time and I mean you you were talking about Bitcoin in like 2013 like you were like you were my friend who like 
was in on crypto when it yeah. was like really a joke. I think everybody's got <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a joke, right? Now it's only like half a joke. I think everybody has that one friend who bought Bitcoin back in 2013, <laughs> and everyone just ignored the comments. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, what made you? Because nowadays it's just the hot thing. Yeah, you can just go on Twitter and you get you get FOMO, fear of missing out for the older folks. Um, you can get FOMO and just say, oh shit, I gotta buy it or I'm gonna miss the train. What what made you say I'm gonna buy Bitcoin in 2000? Was it 2013? 2013. Okay. Yeah. I um just went and got into college and um it was something i think it was big on reddit at the time um oh, well if it's big on reddit yeah of course <laughs> well back then it, it nothing nobody was on reddit nobody was really it was doing anything. wild west right yeah but uh yeah it was it was very popular on there i had saw it and um i just really like researching things like learning new topics and digging into them and uh yeah so i bought some bitcoin I actually, uh, strangely, like I, at the time, I did invest with a with a friend at school. Um, we, I think we bought two hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin at the time, which <laughs> I think it was like point six Bitcoin. So right now, the sixty thousand dollar Bitcoin, yeah, that would have been pretty nice to hold. You like thirty six k? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I kind of forgot about it until twenty fifteen. Um, when Ethereum kind of uh, was released, and if people don't know what Ethereum is, it's it's like Bitcoin, um, and we'll talk about what Bitcoin is, but um, it's more uh, like smart money. So you can keep create these contracts that um, allow you to do different things with them, um, rather than just sending money back and forth. So it's so it's more than a currency, is what you're saying? Yeah, it's almost like a um, a layer. Um, uh, or a platform that you can build applications on top of. Um, like NFTs? Like NFTs. I'm sure we'll get to those. <laughs> NFTs sure. are, uh, that's that's an Ethereum thing, correct? Yeah, it started on Ethereum. You can actually get some NFTs now on Bitcoin, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think it's been, um, it's a novel innovation, and it's funny with these kinds of things. You don't really realize that you're, in the middle of like a great change in, I don't know if you want to say society, but it kind of a renaissance, if you will, a renaissance. Yeah, there you go. A rebirth. But, um, or I guess in this case, a birth (laughs) innovation. Um, yeah, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I, I think with a lot of these, um, events that happen in history, I don't know, maybe the, uh, dot com boom would be another example or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, any other innovations, what did you say? Beanie babies. Beanie babies, great example. You don't know you're in the in the hype phase <laughs> until it's over, right? Um, no, but I I was thinking like a lot of these things are exponential. So when you're in them in the beginning, y- you don't recognize, um, you know, like small moves, uh, kind of stack on top of each other. So it gets to a point where all of a sudden, you know, you're going vertical, and and then the end game would be okay. Bitcoin is now global. Everybody's using it. It's like common uh, common terminology. It's in the household. Um, but in 2013, nobody really knew about that. Even earlier, nobody really knew about Bitcoin or was talking about it. Um, and so a little bit of history there. Like it all started. It, it started in 2009. But this um, person who go- went by the handle Satoshi Nakamoto, and um, this person guy or girl uh, created the second most famous Satoshi of all time. 
Who's the first? Satoshi Tarji, creator of Pokemon. Oh. I think that's his last name. It's definitely Satoshi something. I did not know that. It's in the original games. Like, or in the, in the Japanese version of the show, Ash and Gary were Satoshi and, I don't know, his friend's name, I think. Sorry, continue. He had a friend named Satoshi? On no, the no. Was, Ash was named after Satoshi. He wasn't oh. named after... This was the Japanese version of the show, like before they dubbed it to English. Ash was Wait, named so Satoshi. Ash was just a dub? Yeah. Oh. Well, the show, the original show is in Japanese. It's an anime. I just never thought about it, but that makes yeah. a lot of well, sense. Also, like the you know the words don't really match up with the mouth. It's harder to notice when it's a cartoon. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, I mean, it is. A, it was an anime, right? Uh, yeah, that's funny. Um. Well, anyway, <laughs> sorry for derailing that. It's okay. So, Satoshi, I'm learning new things. Yeah. So Satoshi Nakamoto, um, and this is an incredible story. I don't think people really appreciate it. But um, whoever this person was created uh, a paper, right? That was the, um, they call it a white paper. A white paper just means it was uh, th- the first paper that kind of outlines everything that talks about um, a concept that you're trying to create. And so the Bitcoin white paper talks about how a novel um, payment system would work using this thing called a blockchain. And um, a blockchain at its root is just a ledger that stores all of like transactions that happen um but the novel uh piece here is that you're basically making this this uh ledger like if like if robbie and i were just you know if we're uh, exchanging um pokemon cards or something right like good callback we would want to have um a ledger that says okay i gave robbie two pokemon cards and he gave me two dollars and then you just track that and, you know, at the end of the day, we would, uh, if we're like borrowing and lending, then we, you know, we, we would make those transactions and record them and have a history of it. Great. You know, and it, this was a very novel innovation in, in itself, like as like a regular ledger that um, we would use throughout history. Right. But with Bitcoin, what we're doing is um, making it like completely public. So then anybody can look at this ledger and verify that those tra- transactions actually happened. And so it's like a, it, it's an open system. It's trustless. You don't have to rely on trusting the other person. It's distributed. So everybody can verify that it, that this ledger is real. Um, everyone's equal. There's everyone's no, equal. Yeah. There's no central authority. Yes, exactly. Is and that what decentralization means? <laughs> you know, I think so. I think so. But the the incredible thing i think about this is that this the satoshi nakamoto guy he um either died or decided to remain anonymous it, this is a it's a really good thing um that we have some uh, uh, a situation like this because what it means is that uh, we're not reliant on any one person he kind of, like this paper got released and then you know bitcoin was created and then he was gone and now it's just a trustless uh, system that can can like never be shut down. Basically, um, nobody's nobody controls it individually. No one country, um, and they'll. It, it, it's almost impossible to recreate something to this level of like decentralization ever again. Yeah, no, like not not to be like dark, but the, like when you describe it like that, the first thing that pops into my head is almost like. I mean, to be topical, I guess it's almost like kind of like a virus in a weird way. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, there, you know, there are all those theories of where, where'd COVID come from? I, I don't, I don't know if it was natural or in a lab. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to know, but like if someone did, you know, 
if you know satoshi nakamoto created you know if you call bitcoin some like you know like a virus like he's the creator and he released it into the wild but as soon as it's in the wild he no longer has any power over it it's just it's yep. it's out there it's it's uncorruptible unstoppable um yeah just like a virus as long as people agree it's worth something as long as everyone right. agrees yep because that's all you know people like i said i don't i don't i know nothing about economics or this or crypto beyond just general stuff but you know people will joke that it's like not it's not real it's not worth anything i mean like i mean you could kind of like you know is anything really worth any things only yeah. worth what people yeah. think it's worth it's all fake yeah exactly um I mean, the only things that you could say have like an innate value are things that like you literally need to survive. And, and then currency is gets it gets more abstract. And this goes back to the exponential thing I was talking about. Yes, when one guy is like buying a pizza with Bitcoin, ten thousand Bitcoin, right? And you know, and that's what a sucker. The, and that's the I don't know if you've heard this story. That that's the first purchase, right? Yes. Yeah. Some guy bought a uh, pizza for ten thousand Bitcoin. In what, like 2009? In two, 2009, 2010. What pizza parlor yeah. was accepting Bitcoin in 2009, uh, 2010? It was, yeah, it was just some guy who wanted to like be a part of the experiment. But um, yeah, you could bet it, you know, he, 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 well, actually, I don't think he hates his life, but you know, he would have been a multi-billionaire or whatever it is um, at this point. So it is, it's kind of crazy to think about, but yeah, you know, I think we're, we, a lot of us were almost billionaires, right? <laughs> If you did the right thing, you know, bought the right stock or whatever. Um, but yeah, so that was the first transaction. Um, at the beginning, it doesn't seem like a lot, right? Like some guy buys a Bitcoin, it's 10,000 Bitcoin, oh, who cares, right? But then things just start to kind of pick up. Um, more and more people are using it, uh, applications. Because you got to think of it as like a framework or a platform, right? So as more and more of these systems get built out, um, the, you know exchanges where you can actually like um uh trade your, your us dollars or whatever currency you have for bitcoin as more of those grow as more money gets poured into this ecosystem then it starts to make a lot more sense and then suddenly it's like okay now i'm buying milk and you know bread at the store with with mi like micro bits or they call them um, sats satoshis it's the smallest unit of account of bitcoin Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. so Satoshi is now like a, a subdivision yeah, of the Bitcoin. Yeah, subdivision how, how, of Bitcoin. Do you know exactly? I, I forget the the um how many divisions it goes mm -hmm. down, but it's quite a few. That's pretty. Cool. <laughs> it's maybe like a thousand or a hundred thousand or something like that. Um, but yeah, so like you you could buy they call it trading with Sats. So you could a couple Sats could buy you a bread and milk or whatever. You know, they, mm -hmm. like that's the future that we could uh, expect to see. Now there is one flaw to this, uh, I will say. And um, a lot of my thinking over the past two years have, has kind of come to this is that uh, when you so Bitcoin, right, is trying to become like the the, the in, uh, initial goal. I'm sorry, I'm stutter, stuttering here, but oh, the, no, no. the initial goal here of Bitcoin was to create a payment system, uh, a new form of money. Right. And I think the world doesn't really um, I, I think we've kind of been lied to um, for years about what actually is money. So. If, if you break down money, it's three parts. And some people argue about this, but you have a medium of exchange, um, a unit of account and a store of value. Okay. And so if you look at the U S dollar, it does a lot of those things, right? It's kind of 
buckle it's uh, encompasses a lot of them so you can trade with your dollars right mm-hmm. um it, it, it's a unit of account so like if you look at stocks and stuff it's like okay how many dollars is my stock worth now if you look at the store of value i don't think a lot of people would be saying um i'm going to hold a U, like us dollars to like gain value right it's yeah. going to be deflationary or inflation is going to happen not deflationary um and so your dollars are actually going to be worth less over 15 20 years um so it's bad it's actually bad to just be holding dollars in your bank account because you're losing value um that's neither here nor there but so bitcoin um does meet one of those elements right bitcoin is a really good store of value if you look at the number right like right. we're going up 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 we're at 60 we're at 60k or something like that as of uh you know november tw- 2021 um but the problem with bitcoin is that i don't want to spend it right yeah i figured right? that's where you're going with this yeah because yeah, no one's using bitcoin to buy pizza in 2021 exactly exactly um so and and there's a couple countries that it's like gold right kind, uh, sort of yes exactly so bitcoin is a lot of people like to call Bitcoin digital gold. And it might not always be like that. We'll preface um, because there's uh, a lot of talk. Bitcoin's gone through a number of iterations um, in its lifespan. Um, There's this thing called hard forks. Um, So Bitcoin, you know, it's digital. um, It's an application. There's code, right? But sometimes, you know, we don't like what, how Bitcoin was made because in 2009, people didn't know uh, everything um, about how to make a monetary system uh, um, like in a digital format. Also, um, processing power increases, codes written that makes more sense. Things change, right? So you need to be able to adapt. And and the other thing is that as, as Bitcoin gets more and more popular, there's more and more usage. And then suddenly the block space, um, which is something about, it, it's basically the capacity that Bitcoin has to be able to um, finalize these transactions. Um, and we haven't even talked really about like mining, um, like how a Bitcoin is actually created, how transactions are validated and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, as Bitcoin gets more and more used, the block space go, uh, increases, um, and it suddenly, you know, you hit your cap and then, uh, transactions are slower or, you know, people have to pay higher fees to be able to send money back and forth. So you need to be able to like, um, innovate on Bitcoin in some capacities because um, it's not a perfect system in any any uh, way or form. Um, and and the other thing is that we uh, need a it needs to be decentralized. So everybody needs to basically agree um, that um, we want to change the system to be something slightly different. That we can uh, you know it can be faster, better, uh, more secure, whatever it may be, more privacy. Um, those are some things. So Bitcoin's gone through these a lot of these iterations, um, and there's been a lot of like strife, actually, like very um, like almost like wars, <laughs> um, silent wars, <laughs> I guess, um, where different groups have um, have created these forks. So, uh, there's a number of forks of Bitcoin. Um, so uh, you have things if you look these up, there's uh, other Bitcoins called like Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin ABC, Bitcoin mm-hmm. Gold. There's so many of them. Um, and the, the Bitcoin that, as we know it today is the most popular one, um, could technically be considered a fork of another, of like, in what some people call the OG Bitcoin, right? Oh, interesting. Like Satoshi's vision that. or whatever. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know about a good analogy. Maybe it's like 
people who are like hardcore constitution buffs, you know, sort of like, I, you know, we can't break the, you know, the constitution um, in any form, any way. No, like there's no way or like people who like follow the Bible to to its nth degree. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's there's people like that. But for the Bitcoin white paper and um, and like the their interpreted vision of what Satoshi thinks mm-hmm. should be Bitcoin. They live by the doctrine. Exactly. Yeah. So is these different branches of Bitcoin. I didn't know that. I, I mean, I've, I've just spending way too much time on Twitter. I have seen these phrases come up. You mentioned like Bitcoin light and Bitcoin gold and whatnot. So are those like, I, I know we didn't really get into the mining, but are they, are all these different forks of Bitcoin? Are they still coming from that same original source? Everything. If, if, yeah. You know. Everything goes back to the 2009 Bitcoin. Okay. Right? You can all trace it back to that. Um, but some things have been added in or taken out, whatever it may be. The biggest competitor to Bitcoin is is uh, one called Bitcoin Cash. And I'll say that one just because what they did was um, when, you, when you're looking at Bitcoin, you need to – some people feel, a lot of people feel that you need, that the block size, the um, ability for someone to be able to blo- download basically the whole blockchain for Bitcoin, all the transactions, all this stuff to their local device – like it make sure it's small enough that anybody could do it even with like not a lot of processing power. So th- that's like kind of the Bitcoin that we have right now, like the main one. There's another one called Bitcoin Cash where they b- all basically what they did was they increased the block size. So, okay, now people can send tra- transactions that are much larger. You can include more information. But the problem with that is that to what end, right? If we just keep increasing the block size, it it just gets bigger and bigger and then suddenly you get to this point where nobody can like download the bitcoin uh Mm -hmm. blockchain anymore and it's totally unfeasible um so we i think a lot the main group kind of took the path of okay let's do everything else that we can around this to make it so that um you know transactions are fast and um low fees but without just increasing the block size just for capacity purposes um, and we'll talk about Ethereum later, but Ethereum kind of did this is doing the same thing where they don't, they're not sacrificing any kind of uh, decentralization, security, or anything um, in in this in the way to allow for lower lower fees and all this other stuff. Um, so yeah. So we're talking a little. We you mentioned Ethereum, which as I understand is another coin. I actually I do I have no idea what I'm doing, but I bought some on your recommendation. Um, smart man uh we'll see what happens with it but uh yeah so i mean obviously like there's a seemingly a million different coins i see people talking about on the line all the time now what's what was bitcoin the first or was that just the first one that like got into the into i mean the zeitgeist it, bitcoin was the first uh digital money that uh had a blockchain behind it but if you look uh it's funny because if you look at like digital money you ever heard of diners club isn't like it's like a credit card yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, i got a diners a lot of people think that's like old like 80s movies yeah 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 yeah, exactly but i mean if if you think about it i mean that that's pretty uh early digital money right oh yeah yeah i mean so it's just like any kind of like online banking right i mean okay so but as far as like actually like full-on cryptocurrency i guess then what what um I know Ethereum's the number two these days. What's, what is the, 
as someone who who follows this stuff what is like the what are the primary differences between something like bitcoin something like ethereum and then is there like from there is there like another coin or two that you think is like distinguishable so kind of a multi-part question but yeah we're really getting into the weeds here but um uh yeah i mean bitcoin i think a lot of people would call it digital gold right um then we have the probably the second biggest coin is one called um ethereum ethereum came out in 2015 by this uh this kid named vitalik i forget which country he's from um in europe is that his name or like like vitalik buterin or something his name is oh. vitalik buterin okay yeah but he uh he and a couple other people came up with uh programmable digital money program maybe you could call it programmable di- uh bitcoin um but it allowed uh cr- creating these smart contracts so like rather than just sending you money which is what bitcoin does right so i can do i can send you one bitcoin um and you can receive it to your wallet or whatever and then you could spend it you could send it back to me you could sell it whatever but not much else can be done with the you know the normal form of bitcoin so with ethereum they they said okay well what else can we do let's let's uh have some kind of contract right that i can i'll send you money on a lot but like a number of different stipulations okay and and you know also let's make it so that it can hook into like the internet right with web browsers and all this stuff and and uh let's have some kind of smart logic to this so uh ethereum is kind of like a platform um it's almost it's almost more like a like a Google cloud or like an Amazon cloud mm-hmm. than, than it is just uh, just money. Right. You can so, do so many things with it. Just. There's an entire um, programming language that sits underneath Ethereum that people know very well now. It's called Solidity. Mm-hmm. And you can make these contracts to do s- certain things with it. So when people like talk about some vision of a, a decentralized internet, would it be built on an Ethereum-like platform? Yeah. Yeah. A lot, uh, Ethereum started that trend and a lot of people see Ethereum as almost like the zenith now, <laughs> I want to say. Um, it basically, it could be like anything, right? Um, Ethereum can do it all almost uh, because you, the limit is just your imagination almost. Now, some of the problems with Ethereum are um, that they foc- they focused so much on, um, well, number one, being the first of anything is tough. Number two, when you're innovating like that, you kind of hit some roadblocks in terms of ideas that you had in the first place. Um, and then, you know, five years down the line, code changes, standards change. So Ethereum um, right now is, a, is uh, very costly to use. And there's some things being done to fix it. But um, like if you want to, and this isn't a joke, but to current today, like if you want to send... Um, if you want to send money to somebody or interact with the, actually sending money isn't too bad, but interacting with these smart contracts gets very costly. Like if you want to send, do something for a uh, hundred dollars, it might cost you almost $500 in transaction fees. So it's almost not even feasible, but that's because the decentralization security is being uh, kind of focused on more so than this scalability aspect. If you kind of think of it, they, they call it the trilemma. So the, the trilemma is um, scalability, decentralization, and security. And the thinking is that you can never do all of these things. You mm-hmm. have to cut the corner on, on some on one of them to be able to 
to um universal do, do the other ones yeah almost, almost it sounds like almost like a, a crypto's version of like the uncertainty principle yeah if you know do you, if you know. is that it something with a certain principle yeah it's like you can you can you can know something's momentum within x certainty but the more like the more the 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 more you know the with greater oh my goodness i'm stuttering it's okay I <laughs> the more precision you know the momentum with the less precision you know uh the uh it's okay. oh the We're location the location. Oh, the location i was blanking okay. on what the it's position i was blanking on what the other <laughs> tenant was sorry i totally derailed that no no it's okay um it's cool to make those connections um because i'm sure yeah i mean in in life in nature like you could probably make a lot of these kind of uh connections between yeah. different things yeah everything mirrors it's each other yeah but yeah i mean there's so many elements to cryptocurrencies um we we kind of haven't even really scratched the surface on a lot of this stuff you know i think a lot when you, if you really get into the like the root of it like what a problem is being solved right like i think it's almost kind of like a, a trust problem like how do you trust somebody mm-hmm. um and uh and it you know bitcoin solves that in a to a degree and blockchain it, blockchain isn't just bitcoin right blockchain can be a number of different things um and it's not always about just sending money back and forth you know we mm-hmm. can we can have blockchain for medical applications we can have blockchain for business applications you know whatever it is um, yeah I think uh, like one of the examples I've heard that makes a lot of sense to me, which I think is an, an amazing pro. Well, I, well, actually, I have two in mind. The like this idea that um, you know, this universal ledger that everyone has a copy of and everyone can see every transaction. Yeah. You know, and then scale that up to actual like like, like social media s things. So not just transactions in the sense of money, but transactions in the sense of like interactions on social media, or like something like YouTube or or any anything like mm-hmm. that. Definitely. You could um, if every single piece of data on the internet has public traceability of where it came from, who interacted with it, who changed it. That kind of ends the era of deep fakes right? in a way like you can't like, cause like, I mean, we've all seen like scary realistic deep fakes that like is they're going to become a real problem very soon. Yeah. Right. Like you can make a lifelike video of anybody saying anything and like, you cannot even tell, but the way you describe like this universal ledger, you can like look at something. Granted, I mean you have to be proactive and look out, presume, or maybe there'd be some kind of in- integrated verification, like like similar to like a blue check mark on Twitter or something like that. But you could say like, oh, this this isn't actually Obama that saying <laughs> w- yeah. w- whatever. I don't know. It's you know, yeah. It's funny you say that, and then and then it all goes down to trust, right? Like who who can you trust? Um, there, yeah <laughs> it won't all be up to zuckerberg <laughs> well yeah and that yeah that's the thing that's i think blockchain is how we get away from like the facebooks and instagrams and um you know social medias of the world um and be into to this more like society and world where everything's kind of owned um by society right like it's not one person it's not one country it's not one company so th- that's the that's the hope that's the vision i think um, I think we're slowly realizing different applications and it's funny cause like, <laughs> and maybe I'm jumping around here a little bit, but no, no. blockchain has been, a, I think in the last four years, blockchain has been a, this kind of like huge joke. People are like, Oh yeah. Like 
there's a problem, well, blockchain. It just put put a blockchain in front of it. Mm-hmm. And then the joke is like, none of that ever works, right? Like, mm-hmm. what's the point? But uh, back to my original uh, uh, earlier statement, like things are exponential. You know, we don't, a lot of these things, we don't know the applications yet. It's just, it takes time. It's trial and error, experimentation. That's how we get to this utopia uh, world where things actually make sense. And, you know, we're not relying on one company to do things for us. Um, And maybe I'm jumping way too far ahead here. But um, one of the things that I'm really excited about is um, uh, uh, something called a Harburger Tax and if I'm going way too out of the woods here, go please. For it. Um, so the idea is that uh, you, if you have something that is a public good, right, and um, you don't feel like one person should ever own it for forever, um, I think there's a lot of things like this, like, like water, like water. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great. That is a great. I was gonna say a painting or something, or like a, a, like a um, like a I don't know, like a a, a country's nationalist monument or you know any anything that should be owned by the public and not by one specific group entity oh, okay. whatever what you're saying um there's a thing called a harburger tax so the idea is that um you can use the the smart contracts with ethereum which a number of cryptocurrencies now have adapted um smart contracts but the uh so somebody would would buy the whatever the item is right the public good and um they would pay a tax on owning that thing and they, and then so they could they could put it up for sale, but if they put it up for sale, they have to and whatever that price is at, at like an exponential rate, right? So the, if they put it up for a high number, then they have to pay a higher tax to like to be able to hold it while they're you know wait for somebody else to buy it basically. Um, if the price, so if they set the the sale price low, they pay a lower tax, but somebody could take it off their hands very easily, right? Because it's less. So the the idea is that um, nobody ever owns something forever, and if if they fail to pay their tax on it, then the smart contract that entity thing would go back to the original owner or whoever it may be. So I could see in the case of Robbie's example of water, you know, if somebody buys like a, uh, rights to uh, you know land that has a bunch of water on it, um, or a lake or whatever, you know we don't want that person to just, or that company to hold it forever. And without like paying the right amount, you know, money to like actually um, support the community or whatever it may be. So that's, that's the kind of thing that's possible with cryptocurrency and blockchain. And we could never do something like this, right? Like I think economists had thought of this idea and it was never even possible. That's yeah. It just blows my mind. I think it's fucking cool. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit of a tangent there, but, no, um, no, that was, that was passionate. Yeah. Makes for a more, uh, more just world. or it could, it could, could be an opportunity for a more just world is what you're saying. Yeah. And, and I know we were talking about like trust and, um, verification, like you said, the Twitter check mark or whatever. Um, and yes, I think also crypto solves that problem. Um, because to your point, immutable rec- uh, blockchain um, ledger that everybody can download, you know, and verify it, then suddenly nobody's faking who they really are. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you have some kind of a verification system and, um, and you know, it's a fine line because I'll be honest, because you need to be, um, you know, if we're holding up to the, to the U S constitution, U S like uh, democratic values, um, 
you know, freedom of society and everything. People need, um, they, they don't, they, you shouldn't have to be like, we don't want to live in a totalitarian regime where people have to like give up their identity and all this stuff. But what if there was a way that you could give up some information, right? Like this is my wallet address. This is my, you know, my Bitcoin um, ID. Okay. And that, you know, you've already gone through all the steps to prove, you you know, you verified with your ID, your driver's license, whatever it may be. Other people don't need to have your driver's license. Other people don't need to have your social security number. You've already verified it on the blockchain. It's an immutable record. Everybody can see it. So, okay, let's tap into that API, right? Let's build our application so that we can use the universal ledger that lets us verify from your ID, your wallet ID, and I don't need to have anything else. I don't need to steal your identity when I take your social security number. I, you just need enough to be able to prove that it's me. And yes, you proved it. They're coming for you, McAfee. He's dead. Who? McAfee. <laughs> I'm, isn't, I'm, I'm invent the privacy software. Oh, well, there's a guy behind that, right? Oh, is he dead? Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so you got my reference. Yeah. No, that's cool. He's a crazy man, by the oh, way. Oh, interesting. Or he was. <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, and real quick, I guess, um, I just, cause I said, I, I had two, two examples in mind. The other one, this, I guess, continuing with the NFTs, I guess the NFTs, T E A S E. Um, yeah, I go on Twitter and I see like a lot of like, I mean, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not fully sold on the whole NFT thing personally. Um, oh man, I will sell you on that in the next one. Part two. But um, the irony is I do go on Twitter and I see a lot of like artist types like mock the hell out of like NFT art. And, and like, I think many parts of it are absolutely mockable, but I do, I do think with like back to like the immutable ledger or whatever you want, I do feel like it's a, it's an opportunity for like artists to own their work. And if everyone, you know, if you only distribute, granted there'll always be ways to capture things analogically, but I mean, if, if, if you just like exclusively put your work on like a, a blockchain based decentralized internet, whatever you want to call it, like you, you could theoretically imagine an, an internet where like you cannot consume someone else's content without it, you know, going back down, back down to the source and forcing some kind of like compensation, if that makes sense. Like if you, like if you put a song out there, rather than having to go through a place like Spotify, you could like. The, this piece of the blockchain, this song, whatever you want to call it, came from this user, and in, like in order to interact with it, like that person will know, and like you have to be there. You could you could imagine some kind of automatic, you know, rather than getting one percent from Spotify or whatever, you could just be intrinsically compensated by the terms of this this internet that people are joining, right? That is a major application for blockchain. Yes, royalties is huge area that can be solved um for songs for media for anything um and yeah because blockchain solves the trust problem right we've been talking about this a little yeah. bit but so trust and exponential yes <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah if i have that you know an nft since we're talking about it i might as well explain it it's the it's non-fungible token so if you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a fungible token. There's many of it. NFTs are simply one. It's not fungible. It's, uh, you know, you don't break it up into bits, although you can. <laughs> Spoiler, people do break up their NFTs. I mean, you but, can take uh, a screenshot. <laughs> it's more like they lock up their NFT and then they break it up and they create another token that's little bits that represents the NFT. But anyway, 
um, yeah, so royalties, yeah, that, that's being solved with blockchain. Um, and that's a major application. And that and, and so that's like the next step of, uh, on top of Bitcoin, right? And this is all all possible because of the Ethereum experiment that happened in 2015 um, that made that po possible, adding like con like a, a coding logic, um, extra um, things that can happen on top of just sending money back and forth. Um, you know, as yeah, so things get things get created. We create these building blocks. Uh, a lot of people like to call it the money like like money Legos. Basically, you're taking certain things and stacking them on top of each other to make new applications. Um, Bitcoin, um, uh, you know, since we're sticking to this topic, um, Bitcoin is kind of like <laughs> it's it's funny because it's only been ten years now, but it's like boomer technology. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's fine. It does one thing, but it, it, it does it really well. Right. Like, and, and the thing is a lot of people will say like, Oh, Bitcoin's like not that fast. Right. Like a lot of, you can send money much faster through other, uh, blockchains and stuff. Oh, Bitcoin's, you know, uh, the code's very legacy and, um, Oh, you know, we want to make a change and it takes, it takes almost two and a half years to make any change to Bitcoin because we have to create consensus. Consensus is yeah, another thing like that's everything's dependent on like some dudes, fortran routine that <laughs> well i don't know about that <laughs> but um all i'm trying to say is that like uh it bitcoin is is legacy almost now but it's it's immutable and people trust it um it's it's also driving the market so if you um if you're a trader so i know you're not a, you're not like a trader in crypto you said you own some ethereum but oh you i bought some and it's just sat there yeah exactly <laughs> you don't, you're not trading it back and forth and all this stuff um for people that do though um and they're watching the prices of uh, of these other coins and by the way other coins are all called alt coins um even ethereum is considered an alt coin it's not bitcoin um, and, and so there's this, uh, there's another term called the flipping, uh, which is the point at which, okay, Ethereum flips the market cap of Bitcoin and suddenly, you know, it's like the coin, it's the main coin, but as it stands right now, and I think for a very long time, um, Bitcoin will be the number one and Bitcoin also drives, um, the market. So if Bitcoin goes up, all the other coins go up. If Bitcoin goes down, all the other coins go down. Um, nothing is really uncorrelated there. It's all correlated back to Bitcoin in some sense, because, um, when people buy crypto, right. Uh, and, and you might even say Bitcoin in some sense currently, because it's not as large as other markets yet. I think it, it is a very large market. It's actually big. It's, I think it's bigger, um, than a, most companies at this point, like very large companies like, um, Amazon and, uh, I don't know if it's bigger than Tesla, uh, um, Aramco, the oil company. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's it's somewhere around there. But anyway, um, as Bitcoin's prices go up, other coins go up. As Bitcoin prices go down, other prices go down. Is that by design or just like by like just just because Bitcoin's like patient zero? No, no. It's so it's because when money flows into into the mar into the crypto markets, right? Um, it's still most of it is in Bitcoin. Like there's a lot of applications mm -hmm. built around Bitcoin. Um, you've heard of Coinbase, maybe mm -hmm. like a lot of people will buy Bitcoin and then sell the Bitcoin to buy other coins. Um, so and and also the big money 
the big big billet players the peep the sequoias of the world or whatever you know the big uh uh i don't know firms or whatever they all buy bitcoin like they'll have um you know they're not playing around so they'll buy uh a majority of their market will be uh uh shares will be in uh in bitcoin and they'll have some app like uh exposure to ethereum but like not that much and then maybe they'll play around a little bit like to one or two percent of their investments will be in these other altcoins or shit coins <laughs> as they <laughs> like to call them um but uh yeah so currently as it stands bitcoin is still the leader i think it'll be the leader for a very very long time and um a lot of people think it's going it, it moves very slow the other thing is that a lot of people question okay why doesn't bitcoin have any kind of smart contracts at this point because ethereum has been out since 2015 and nothing's there yet right well um like i was saying not everything's obvious to the to the nascent um onlooker right in the background there are things going on these these hard forks or Another, <laughs> there's a lot of terms, but um, a soft fork as well is where uh, the coin doesn't um, split into two. You know, everybody mm -hmm. kind of agrees that the this is the uh, coin that we want to choose, and they go and everyone just switches. Um, so yeah, I mean, in, so down the line we might see a programmable Bitcoin, and maybe you know, there's a lot of smart smart people out there working on this. But what you could do is you'd have some kind of other layer that's kind of sits adjacent to Bitcoin and then like Bitcoin's like the, like, um, the final, uh, what's the word? Finality, like transaction finality happens on Bit Bitcoin layer one, if you will. And then everything else, like all this, um, sending things back and forth, smart contract stuff happens on this like layer two scalability layer. Um, that is, is programmable and can do all this fun stuff. Um, but then it'll send the final transactions. Maybe it batches them together or something and then finalizes that because Bitcoin is the most trusted, decentralized, secure um, system, you know, in the world, really. Um, and yeah, and it's, you know, we haven't even really talked about mining, um, but uh, there, are mi there are miners around the world. Um, there was a big thing with uh, China had a large, like the largest um, amount of miners in the world and they recently just shut down everybody <laughs> uh, oh, which wow. is crazy right like in mm -hmm. the the country the uh <laughs> the state was able to just like say this is illegal now like nobody can operate this and shut everybody down so now i think it's like 30 percent of the miners in the world are in the u.s and then uh, other countries have another percentage of that um but it's it's the most decentralized by far out of any other applicate uh, uh blockchain out there no other blockchain could probably ever get as you know there's some other, they're trying but it's i think bitcoin will always kind of have that mind share and everything um to it so it's a big world out there huh yes it is um <laughs> i don't know where else you want to go with this but um i think as it, it it'll be interesting to see at least for me like how countries adapt because um, there's this term called cbdc have you heard of this i have not so um cbdc stands for centralized digital uh uh wow why am i drawing a blank centralized cbdc cbdc centralized digital currency um 
Wow, here, this here. Is Wait, not a here, give it a beat. Give it a beat and then say it, currency. and I'll cut. Here, give it a beat and say it, and okay. I'll cut it so it sounds like you remember right away. Centralized. <laughs> it's okay. Central, you can just leave it in. Central <laughs> bank digital currency. Everyone knows I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's fine. Um, no, you're not. But anyway, yeah. So the point is that CBDCs, you've talked for like 50 minutes about crypto without using any of the the cringy, the cringy buzzwordy stuff that like the Winklevi do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm passionate. You're not about dumb. It. Yeah, clearly. Um, CBDCs are interesting, right? So. It's the idea of countries creating a digital currency um, that they can use, you know, as like a national currency, really. Um, and it would allow them to, as the, you remember, we talked about money being three parts, that medium of exchange, like you could use that as a medium of exchange. Maybe they'll have store of value and unit of account in there as well. Um, so currently as it stands, there are some island countries that have already built CBDCs that they're using. Um, I forget the name of those countries. Um, if you look at uh, uh, El Salvador, El Salvador is a country that actually adopted Bitcoin. So not a CBDC, but adopted Bitcoin itself as a national currency. Um, that's a whole story in itself, really. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, they, so really interesting back, uh, history to it. They, I think in the early, uh, sorry, leading up to the 90s, 80s, maybe they had their own currency um they're very poor country um they ended up switching to the u.s dollar in 2001 2002 time frame um and that would you know it helped the economy a little bit but now they're they're coming to this point where they have a ton of debt right and um and it's actually a lot of people like to talk about inflation and deflation of money the the root of the problem with with money really isn't that it's it's um, access to money. It's like, can we get enough money when when we need it? Right. Like we don't need it in a year. We need it right now. Um, and the El Salvador just could not get enough U.S. dollars. Um, so they actually adopted Bitcoin as a, a, a national currency alongside the U.S. dollar and um, are trialing it, you know, and from a previous conversation, Bitcoin's not a really a good medium of exchange. No. You don't want to spend it. <laughs> so we'll see how well that works out. They've, they have some interesting ideas because um, I think they want to have some kind of closed system where they can like trade Bitcoin back and forth inside the country, but you know, it's not exposed to the outside markets or something like that. And then there's a, yeah, there's some other cool things that I've, thought of and heard of and i don't want to bring up right bring them up right now but some of the things that they could possibly possibly do so that's one application they got bitcoin that's el salvador really cool we'll see how that goes other countries china are working on cbdc's um these central centralized um currencies um that are digital but have some kind of blockchain right that they can use um china has something that they're working on they're very close actually i think I think beginning of next year, we might even start hearing this in the news um, of them adopting it. You know, it's probably won't be a big switch for China simply because um, the the renminbi, I think, is the the currency that they have inside the country. Um, You know, uh, I don't know how much usage it gets um, or, you know, as a currency, I think they want to kind of adapt to something else. Also, a lot of the um, ex- 
like exchanges that happen in the country use QR codes. People will scan things with mm-hmm. their phone. So they're already used to doing things like like smart transactions like that. So it would just kind of make sense. Um, and uh, also they're very like closed centralized you know everything's inside the country right yeah so uh yeah they're working on that the u.s um actually through the boston federal reserve is working on a cbdc as well and the interesting thing about um uh the u.s cbdc you know how the the u.s has the federal reserve right they issue um bonds and banknotes and all this stuff and it's also the world reserve currency currently after the um you know the breakup from uh the gold standard in the 1970s um they uh want to create a digital currency where it's not going to be too much different than what we already have in terms of like u.s dollar money and the thing is i think when it comes out it's just gonna be the dollar there's Mm -hmm. not gonna be another thing i think it's just going to be people are still going to transact in the dollar because what's going to happen is they're going to create um if actually if you so if you look at the u.s um money right like money in the in the u.s uh treasury there's there's two forms of money there's um the like greenbacks like the dollar itself right like paper money right Mm -hmm. that that that, that's get issued gets issued the other form of money is bonds Mm -hmm. basically ious now the U.S. Uh, government will will issue these bonds. Other countries love owning bonds because they know, okay, the U.S. government's always going to pay us back, right? Like they're pretty reliable. Well, they they also um, issue they're the world reserve currency, right? So um, having bonds um, is a very stable thing to hold. Um, I, I don't know what the interest rates are now on bonds or whatever, but um, historically. Uh, yeah, you hold a bond, it's pretty safe to say that you're going to get paid back, right? You yep. can trust it. And as trust goes down with uh, with bonds, then, um, yeah, then then you start having these problems. And, uh, you know, who's to say what's going to happen with the, uh, the U.S. economy in the next couple of years? We'll see. But, yeah. So, anyway, that's the two forms of money in the U.S. That, that's considered dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So, now, if we look at the CBDC, the way that they're talking about it, It'll just be a third form of the dollar. It's just going to be a digital dollar. So they'll have some way of issuing these digital dollars, and you would just you would use it on like online or whatever transacting. Now, if you've ever um, worked like used cryptocurrency before, you might have heard of some other terms um, like uh, um, USDT is one. It's called Tether. Have you heard of this? Uh, I think I've heard you mention it. I don't know what it is, though. Okay. So another concept here is something called a stable coin. So a stable coin holds a stable value. Um, A lot of coins um, will back to the U.S. dollar. So um, theoretically, um, for this uh, USDT token called Tether, there should be $1 for every Tether ever issued, which is just the digital money, right? Um, so it's kind of like what the, the U.S. government wants to do, but um, but this is just some company that came up with this. Um, and it's one of the most popular stable coins. So w- when you're using, when you're like doing things online with cryptocurrency, you might use these um, these tokens. Um, they'll, they'll basically issue these things at a 
the ether. <laughs> um, but you can, you know, they're ubiquitous. Everybody uses them as like a stable value, basically. So there's there's USDT. Another one's called USDC. Um, USDT was made by some random company in Europe or something. Uh, USDC was made by uh, a company in Boston called Circle. Um, and now they have like a, a consortium group or something that issues these coins. Um, but yeah, they're also backed by the U.S. dollar, so that's one to one supposedly. Um, but you know, it's more of a U.S. company, so they kind of have to verify that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, though, so the those are those stable coins. Um, so it, th those those exist right now. It's kind of gonna be what the uh, CBDC will be, but like, I don't know to the extent. I think the U.S. government and the problem with some like them doing this is like. It's going to take them a very long time, probably five, six, seven years to get to this point. And by then, you know, we'll be doing crazy things with NFTs and <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Right. So that's the that's the problem with uh, in, in China, the same thing. Like they'll come up with these innovations, but they'll just be lost <laughs> in five years. Mm -hmm. um, and they've and they spent billions of dollars like auditing and like, you know. R&D and all this stuff. So it's it's an interesting future to, th to think about um, as we move towards these digital monies. Um, I don't know. Wh what do you think? Like, what are your thoughts on the future? Do you... On the future of crypto? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, it... If nothing I've been talking else, a lot. I mean, I'm going to make Robbie talk. Oh, <laughs> boy. But I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't know. I mean, just as like a person watching without really understanding it it sure seems like it's not going away anytime soon with regards to um like you said being a store of value um i don't i mean i don't know i mean it isn't like doesn't like tesla like accept bitcoin for cars now they did then they didn't and i think they do now oh, okay because i was gonna say other than that i haven't really heard of anyone like actually using this as currency which i'm i'm, I'm kind of just like parroting what, what yeah. you what you said earlier so i don't know i guess it'll be interesting to see um i what i find a lot more exciting i like i personally or i think the whole like decentralized blockchain thing with regards to like privacy and like com combating like fraudulent stuff and and like being able to like compensate artists for for work and content whatever you want to call it i i find that a lot more interesting the currency stuff is cool too i just don't i've i'm i think i have a pretty decent like um high level understanding of like that like the, the what the blockchain is just from reading stuff online but like i i have trouble personally understanding the jump to currency from there um yeah but yeah, I mean, that's my thoughts currency future, is just probably the simplest application, most obvious application for it, but there's tons of things. Um, if I can paint a picture here for you and going down another rabbit hole, but um, they're uh, like wallets. Like, So it, I guess if you look at the root of how you verify somebody owns something on a blockchain, um, it, it all goes back to cryptography, crypto cryptography, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and having something called a public and a private key. So public key is something that anybody can see. Private key is something that you hold. You can only unlock your wallet and do something with what's in it. And it's not even really a wallet. Wallet's kind of a misnomer. It's more like just 
the block on the blockchain like rep you know, it represents you know you can you can only see what's in it without by having the uh, public and the private key um but this kind of form of cryptography um and you know we've 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 done a lot of other things i think like hashing and you know other forms of encryption and stuff that we've we've done on the internet and even before that you know world war ii if you look at like the encryption algorithms that they they were using it's kind of a similar concept enigma yeah exactly um but uh yeah like that kind of th um, way of anonymity and, and kind of self-custody of this key that you control and you can bring it with you and, you know, do other things with it. So there's this term called Web3. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, currently, by the way, we're in Web 2.0. <laughs> I knew that. Um, so the, the idea, the, the thinking is that um, we'll live in this world where... Um, and you can already do this or actually it's quite incredible um, but you have these wallets um, public and private you have a you have a private key that you keep right um, some kind of you know you hold it in a, usually in some kind of application on your computer but you, you know it, it could also just be um, uh, just a phrase though like a 12 word phrase uh, 12 words that represent they, they tried to make it a little more simple back in the day but a lot of the problems actually with bitcoin by the way it was it was really fucking complicated like if you wanted to do anything damn it now i have to put an explicit label on this podcast oh uh, i'm sorry no, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um like it was incredibly complicated people don't really realize this, this but they they made it a lot lot better okay like nowadays we have these 12 word phrases that that's all you need and you throw it into, um, you know, some kind of application that you just download, right? <laughs> it's like .exe and bam, like you have access to your wallet. Okay. That's your, your private key to your public, to your public key. And, um, so the future thinking is that you'll be able to go into the, these websites, right? You have your, uh, you have your wallet that represents you. It's, it's more than just holding money. Um, in Ethereum, there's this whole kind of movement going on where you can have like nfts that you know are your image that represent you and um you know you, you could have a whole profile like think of it as almost like your facebook profile your instagram profile whatever and it's all tied back to this one wallet this one id this one location on the blockchain um that you only you can you have the private key to even access and to like so you can always prove that this is you right so you can 100% say that nobody can ever fake this um, unless they had the private key, which is great because now we can make it build these applications where people can just come with their wallets, right? They can hook in to the website, the application, and now their experience is like customized to them. They get access to their specific things, whatever it may be. And... Um, and you can do a lot with that. You can build on top of that. You can create these create like wonderful applications that um, are secure. We don't have to rely on a centralized company um, to like custody my password. That's another thing. Blockchain solves passwords because you only need to have one thing that is your um, your private key. As long as you're holding it, you get access into these into these websites. It's always the same. And you never need to give up. You can give up your public ID, your public your your um your public phrase. Never give up that private one. It's simple. 
right? You don't have to give up a password to if you some... do, you're screwed. Well, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you got to be careful. But there's also... I'm glad you brought that up because that is a problem, right? Because if you lose your key, your, your private key, you're screwed. But um, they're implementing... And by them, I mean Bitcoin, Ethereum's like groups, right? The the people that run it um, in, in, by the way, from all over the world in a decentralized mm-hmm. manner, um, want to create basically a standard or, you know, a fork where um, you'll have some kind of social recovery. Okay. So the thinking is, um, okay, I lost my private key. What do I do? I'm screwed. Okay. Well, you could give up basically portions of that key to like multiple people. And then if you ever need to recover it, you can, you know, go and ask them, okay, you know, I lost my thing. Can you give me that portion that you had? And, you know, so maybe you even distribute, you do like, you get a family member, you get a friend, you get a a trusted company, um, you get, um, I don't know, a public entity. um, That way you're not like, your risk is distributed, right? Mm-hmm. And so if some hacker like stole your thing or you lost it or you just bro- your thing broke or whatever, burned, fire, whatever, you know, a lot of things could happen. Um, you could always recover it in, in some kind of way. Gotcha. So that's the thinking. A lot of applications. Yeah. Damn. Well, we've been recording for a little while now. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's never ending, Robbie. You know, you could just... <laughs> it, the, it really is this kind of zenith of changes that are happening and and it goes back to you'd never realize that you're in the middle of these great changes in society and life in general until it happens yeah um i i think of it as like with uber you know i didn't realize uber was a thing until bam everyone was using uber oh yeah so everyone wishes they bought apple stock in in 2000 yeah exactly or whatever yep, buy any Bitcoin. of those really <laughs> buy bitcoin oh uh, well we'll definitely have to do a part two but i'm thinking it might be a part three because this one i might split into two parts oh man <laughs> no that's a good thing give me content man it's a content world we live Yo, in a you're like the first world. person just quick side note you're like the first person i ever remember hearing use the word content it's everywhere now but i remember hey you're just like you're just plugged into these trends before they happen i guess i don't know i just remember content. when i was i said well, that you did early on. Do you remember when I like um, when Alex and I like, well, we still technically record music. We haven't in a while, but we used to, we had our, our Facebook page. We were like doing like route 13 and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. And you used to say, you used to like, Oh, I'll, I'll promote you on Reddit, but you guys got to get more consistent content. In. <laughs> no, that was like 20, 2012, 2013. I don't know. It's like, no one was saying content back then. Content. I think the word content like took over in 2020. I think it's like what the, the, the yeah. tick TikTok YouTube generation. Everything's now content. Well, I think content was a thing back then, but I don't know if Robbie was paying attention. But whatever, yeah. maybe I just wasn't, or it wasn't as popular. But yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah, you were always plugged into the content. You, I you tried were the to one be. that told me to get on Vine. Oh, Remember man, Vine? I miss Vine. I miss Vine so much. Way better than TikTok. Way better. I don't want to send all People my information are... to China. <laughs> Is um, TikTok? Uh, I, I I it wasn't Microsoft. Whatever happened? Wasn't Microsoft gonna buy TikTok when like Trump threatened to ban TikTok? Mm. Obviously, Trump's not president yeah, anymore. Yeah, but I you're right. I never. Someone was gonna buy TikTok. Yeah, but only the Microsoft. U.S. version of it. So oh. it was like, huh? I wonder if that ever happened. Yeah, I don't know. I know. It, well, it didn't happen. It, it oh. fell through. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Trump didn't do what he said he was going to do. That doesn't sound anything like surprise. Him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Surely You're Joking, Mr. Fine and podcast. Oh, you're welcome. We're going to have to do great. this again. This is great. Uh, let's go get food. Wonderful. I'm starving. <laughs>